theyeshiva.net. This is going to be an important class, a very fundamental and extraordinary idea that we're going to explore today. And just for context, it's a continuation in theme to what we learned on Parshish Chayisara about Hashem telling Avram to listen to everything that Sarah tells her, as you will see. We are up to page 19, the second column, Se'if Zion. We have been exploring a sicha, a shear by the Lubavitcher Rebbe that he presented on Shabbos Parshish Shmois, Tovshin Mem Zion, Shabbos Shmois 1987. I was privileged to be there and hear it from the Rebbe himself, live, in person. Also, it combines a talk, an address of Yutes Kislev Tovshin Yudches, the 19th of Kislev, 1958, combined together in this published Sicha, printed in Lekutei Sichas, volume 31, Parshish Shmois. The focus was the famous Rashi, on the words where it says that Moshe took his wife and his children and he placed them on the donkey, and he returned to Egypt, and Moshe retrieved also the stick of God, which he had in his hand. And Rashi says, the donkey is not just a regular donkey. The donkey on which he placed his wife and children was a unique donkey. It's the donkey that Avram Avinu prepared for the binding of Yitzchak, for the Akedah of Yitzchak back in Parshas Vayera. And it's the donkey that Mashiach is going to be revealed on, as the prophet says in Scharia, he is a pauper, and he'll be riding on a donkey. And the Sicha went on to explore what was bothering Rashi. Rashi's agenda, Rashi's mission statement is not just to quote every medrash, but rather to explain the flow and the literal meaning interpretation of the psukim, they should all make sense. What was bothering him? And he went through different possibilities, exploring various ways of trying to understand what Rashi is really teaching us here. And in a way, it's also difficult because Rashi does delete something which says in the source from where he got this teaching, Pirkei Rebelezer, where there's another donkey, men- another time the donkey is mentioned, and that is the donkey that was created on Friday that would be used later by Bilam, and Hashem would open the mouth of the donkey, but that Rashi deletes because he doesn't feel that's relevant in the literal interpretation of the Pesukim. And this was the point of the whole sicha, how Rashi feels compelled to explain the reason why the Torah even introduces the story about Moshe placing his family on a donkey. Why is that relevant? The point is they went back to Egypt. The point is not how they went back to Egypt, whether they used a camel or they drove in a Cadillac. That was just a joke. I know there were no Cadillacs at the time. Or they went by helicopter, they went by helicopter or they used a horse. It's not relevant to the story, unless it is relevant to the story. Somehow the Torah wants you to know that it was a dunk. And Rashi goes on further to show how this donkey represents the answer that Hashem gave Moshe to his two final complaints of why he cannot go to Egypt. Number one, his feelings of inadequacy, especially in comparison to Aaron. And number two, that he anyway will not complete the job because <coughs> he will never enter into the land of Israel. So why doesn't Hashem just send Mashiach? This was the explanation. You can go back to class one to hear it again. I'm not going to summarize the explanation because everybody knows that Rabbi YY summaries 
are longer than they should be. So therefore, I'm going to hold back, and I'm going to let you make the summary, and if you don't remember the summary, then go back and learn the first section of the of the Sicha, which we learned last Monday, and it's it's posted on the yeshiva.net. But now we go to the second step. The second step is the Alter Rebbe said, as in Rashi, is the Yenu Shal In Rashi, there is the wine of Torah. The wine of Torah means the Pnimius of Torah. In other words, Rashi at the surface is a commentary for children, for adults to understand Chumash in a simple way. And everybody learns Rashi. You don't learn Chumash without Rashi. Chumash and Rashi has become the staple lesson, the staple, uh, the way of learning Chumash. You learn Chumash and Rashi. You can learn other commentators as well. But the Alter Rebbe said in Rashi, there's also the wine of Torah, the Pnimius of Torah. The Shalos says that in Rashi, you have Neflayus Shabbat Torah. You have the wonders of Torah. So now the Lubavitcher Rebbe is going to go one step deeper and reveal some of the deeper teachings that Rashi is conveying here about this special donkey. And the truth is, it raises a basic question. And that is, after everything's said and done, isn't this such a strange teaching? Like, what's the point? You know, what's wrong with the story itself? Moshe took his wife and children and put them on a donkey. No, it can't just be a donkey. It has to be a donkey that was used by Avram Avinu and by Mashiach. So we explained it from a literal perspective, what's bothering Rashi. But now let's understand, why did it have to really be this way? Do we really need a donkey to live for thousands of years? How is that going to help anybody? It's like Duran says, God doesn't make miracles in vain. Just to make a miracle, you know, let's have another fire, uh, firecracker show, another display of uh, divine gymnastics. There's a point to it. I understand the point of getting the Jews out of Egypt, of crossing the sea, of giving the Torah, of giving them the manna in the desert. But what's the point of having a donkey, a supernatural chamar that none of us have ever seen or heard of, that's around for thousands of years, so that Avram can use it for the Akedah, Moshe can use it to go back to Egypt, and Mashiach can come on this donkey. Is this literal? Is this allegorical? And what's the point? What are the sages trying to, like, what's the point of the story? So, we usually don't ask these questions. A donkey, on a donkey, it's a great story. Donkey has forever been around. It's the oldest living creature together with the, with the redwood trees in California, you know, the <laughs> sequoia trees that have also been around for 3,000 years. <laughs> the, maybe the donkey, the donkey and the sequoias, but trees, we understand. Some trees have this longevity, which is extraordinary. The question is, what's this whole point of the donkey? This is not what we're going to address. The sages were teaching us how history works. This is not just about a physical donkey. On one level, it's about a physical donkey. When you read Rashi, Rashi is talking, literally, it's talking about a donkey, like he said in the beginning of the Sikh in the footnotes, that Rashi doesn't indicate that this is just a parable, as the Maharal says. But on a deeper level, there's also a psychological, emotional, and spiritual and historical message about how history works. In other words, in other words, and I want you to tune into this, on a deeper level, Mashiach's donkey represents the essence of the messianic process. A process that doesn't begin with Mashiach. It began with the beginning of time and it constitutes the very soul of history. 
What we're going to understand today is that when our sages speak about donkeys, Avram's donkey, Moshe's donkey, Mashiach's donkey, it's all the same donkey. It was their own inimitable, original, creative, and brilliant way of explaining the development of history. Mashiach represents the vision of creation. Our sages say already in the second verse of Bereshus, there was darkness and chaos and voidness. The spirit of the divine hovered above the water. So the Medrash says the spirit of Hashem is the spirit of Ruchesh al-Mashiach. The vision of Mashiach hovered over the very essence of creation. So Mashiach's donkey has a long, prestigious yichus. It's a good word. Has a long, prestigious history. Time and again, it makes its appearance through the generations. It surfaces at key junctures of the messianic process. Each time, we see the donkey fulfilling the same function, but in a different manner reflecting the changes our world undergoes as it develops and as its consciousness evolves from a state of exile to a state of redemptiveness, from a state of ignorance to a state of awareness, from a state of brokenness to a state of wholeness, from a state of cluelessness to a state of enlightenment, from a state of fragmentation, disassociation, disalignment to a state of oneness and harmony and inner and outer peace. What are, what are we talking about? This is the point that the Rebbe is going to be making in the following words. Let's remember again. When is the first time this donkey appears? At the Akedah. Then Moshe, then Mashiach. Says the Rebbe, Alpi Mashin is based on everything we explain. It emerges that even though it's the same donkey, there's a difference. Now, let's see the details here. And this is fascinating. It's the same donkey. But look how it's described each time. By Avram Avinu, what does it say? For those of you who are already daven this morning, and I know many of you daven this morning, you already learned it. It's in the end of Parshas Vayeda. Let's read, let's remember the story together. Vayashkim Avram Baboyker Avram woke up in the morning. And he prepared his donkey. Right? He takes two lads. He splinters. He splinters his lumber. He splinters the wood of the lumber. And he begins going to the mountain, which is going to be Mount Maria, Hara Maria. What happens then? On the third day, Avram lifts up his eyes and he sees the place from a distance. Right? What does he tell the lads? You stay with the donkey. I'm going to go with Yitzchak. We're going to prostrate ourselves and we'll come back. What does Avram do? He retrieves. He retrieves all the wood from the donkey and he places it on Yitzchak. 
right? And then in his own hand, he takes the fire, with the material he used for the fire, and the knife. So what did he use the donkey for? What does it say he used the donkey for? The wood, the knife, and the fire. Did he go on the donkey? doesn't say. Did Yitzchak go on the donkey? doesn't say. Did his lads go on the donkey? doesn't say. He prepared the donkey. And he used it for the wood, for the knife, and for the fire. But the focus is, He prepared the donkey. What did it say by Moshe? By Moshe it says, you remember by Moshe? You remember by Moshe it says something very different. By Moshe it says, he took his wife and his children, and he placed them on the donkey. What about he himself? doesn't say anything. By Mashiach it says, Ani v'roichev al He's a pauper, and he will be riding on the donkey. Interesting. This is going to be part of the discussion. By Avram Avinu, there's no person on the donkey. By Moshe Rabbeinu, his wife and his children. By Mashiach, he himself. But look at another difference, and that's the first difference he's saying. By Avram Avinu, Rashi says, Chavash es chamayre. Chavash es chamayre. Vayachvash es chamayre. That's what it says by Avram and Rashi. It says, chavash. He, he prepared it. He saddled it. Yeah? Then Rashi says, by Moshe, vayarkivem. doesn't say he prepared the donkey. He placed him on the donkey. And by Mashiach, Rashi says, Mashiach is going to be revealed through the donkey. And that's strange because in the verse it says, Reichev. It doesn't say he's going to be revealed through the donkey. Rashi changes the ver- verbiage of the verse. The verse says Mashiach is going to ride on the donkey. Rashi says he's going to be revealed through the donkey. Which we spoke about last week. La- last year, on Monday, why Rashi changes the verbiage comes the Rebbe and says, These th- this change of languages, prepared the donkey, riding on the donkey, being revealed through the donkey, is not a coincidence. It represents three stages in the accessing and revealing of holiness in the world. In the three eras, Avraham, Moshe, and Mashiach. The explanation is, it's explained in the commentators. Which commentators? Take a look at 32, footnote 32. Re'egur Aryekanu, Besefik Vores Hashem Perik Choftes, Mincha Blula, Panam Yafes, Va'oit. Quoting here from three of the great mystical sages. First, the Maharal of Prague in his commentary of Gur Aryeh here. And he has another Sefer called Gvuris Hashem, chapter 29. The Mincha Blula and the Panam Yafes. All of them discussing this concept of the donkey. Give us perspective. And they say, The word chamar, which means a donkey, is the same letters, it's comprised of the same letters as the word chaymer. What does chaymer mean? Chaymer means the material. The material, the physical incarnation of energy. The material, the physicality of the body. And the materialism of the world. This is consistent also with the famous commentary of the Baal Shem Tev. We learned this in Chayisar, the Pasuk in Mishpatim, where you're going to see the donkey of your enemy. And the Baal Shem Tev said, this is not just talking about 
a physical donkey belonging to your enemy. It's talking about your own body. When you look at your own body and you see it as your enemy and you don't want to help it, and the Baal Shem Tev says, that's a sin. You have to help your body. You have to lift up. You have to sublimate your body. Now we can at last understand what is our obsession with a donkey? What's the connection between Gula, between redemptive consciousness and a donkey? What is the mystery that both the first redeemer and the final redeemer, Moshe is called in Medrash Goyal Rishon, Mashiach is Goyal Acharon, the final redeemer. Why are both of them riding on donkeys? Can't we get them a more comfortable medium of transportation? Shouldn't Mashiach? <laughs> Imagine today you'll have a big tzaddik or a big Rosh Hashiva or a big Rebbe coming to Muncie on a donkey. Oh, the supporters won't allow it. <laughs> a donkey? A private jet, maybe. We're waiting for the donkeys. We're waiting for the donkeys. We may be surprised. Right, we'll see this guy on a donkey. What's the idea? Moshe is on a donkey. Mashiach is on a donkey. Somehow this donkey captures Geula. Geula happens through a donkey. What is it? Says the Rebbe, listen to this. Amazing. What is Geula? Redemptive consciousness is the time when the sacredness, when the infinite oneness is revealed in the world. When the Einoid Mulvade, the Kedusha of Hashem, the inner music of the universe, the inner divinity of the universe is fully manifested. The proud challenge is that we have so many husks and blockages and toxicity and cover-ups. So we need, we use this three words. We need a breakthrough, shvira, you need to break through the husk. You need to refine it and you need to clarify it and select it and 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 excavate, accentuate the core, the inner core. He uses three words. Shviras We need to pierce through the material facade, both of your own physical existence, your own physical bodies as every man and every woman, female, male, in other words, we're all part of this process, and not just within ourselves, but within the entire cosmos, within the entire planet, within the entire cosmos. And that's what the Alter Rebbe, whose yard said is Chavdal is next Tuesday, says in Tanya that the ultimate purpose of the creation of the world will be manifested by Mashiach. And the Alter Rebbe's words is because then the physicality of the body and the world will be refined. Instead of eclipsing the truth, it will become a vehicle which is transpa- there will be transparency. It's going to become a transparent vehicle so that we can accept and absorb the revelation of the infinite light. So coming on the donkey is not just a little coincidence, it's a cute story about an interesting donkey that everybody is going to use. No, it's much deeper than that. The donkey represents 
the ultimate purpose of Geula, that the physical reality, beginning with my body, is refined. The material existence is elevated. <clears throat> the physical reality, which at the surface can obscure our inner vision and distort our true priorities, should be redirected, harnessed and opened up, not just as a positive force in our lives, but that the inner light of divinity is channeled and revealed within and through the physical. And that's why the word chamayr is so important, because the Hebrew word for donkey is chamayr, material. <laughs> so Mashiach's donkey is the material beast that is harnessed, the material beast that is sublimated, the physical that is directed to a higher and loftier end, the physical that becomes a vehicle for the divine. But humanity's mission in elevating the material entails a long-involved and evolving process. This is a historic effort in which each generation builds upon the attainments of its predecessors. We don't live in a vacuum. We are a continuous story. The narrative continues, both in terms of our choices and in terms of our genes. So there is a process of evolution that begins with Avram, continues with Moshe, and concludes with Mashiach, and it's always the same donkey. You're not dealing with a different donkey, you're dealing with the same donkey. The question is, our readiness to perceive the donkey in a certain way. And we're now going to engage in what I find as a historical conversation of the Rebbe, in how consciousness towards the body has evolved throughout history. There was the consciousness of the body pre-Avraham. There's the consciousness of the body post-Avraham. There's the consciousness of the body pre-Moshe and post-Moshe. There's the consciousness of the body pre-Mashiach and with Mashiach. It's always the same donkey. But how the donkey is perceived, how the donkey is experienced, and the donkey remembers inside of me, (laughs) inside of you, inside of us, not just inside, outside, inside, outside. That's the process. When, was the don- when does the donkey first appear? The donkey appears in the year 2084 since creation. 1677 BCE. That's the year when Avram Avinu heads to Mount Moriah for the binding of Yitzchak. The tenth and greatest test of Avram Avinu. Avram woke up in the morning and he prepared his donkey and he loaded it with the supplies for the binding, the wood and the fire and the knife for his three-day trek from Hebron to Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. This happened in the year 2084 from creation. Avram Avinu was born in the year 1948, not 1948 when Israel was founded. 1948 from creation, but it's an easy year to remember. There's 1948 after the Kamen Aaron, there's 1948 from creation. The Akedah of Yitzchak, according to the Seder Elam, according to our chronology of Chazal, happens in the year 2084 from creation, or 1677 BCE, if you want to use the secular calendar. Seven generations later, seven generations later, yeah, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov. Yaakov had a son, Levi. Levi had a son, Kahas. Kahas had a son, Amram, Amram had a son, Moshe. So Moshe is the seventh generation from Avram Avinu. Seven generations later, Moshe is also dispatched on a mission by God. He's not going to the Akedah of Yitzchak. 
His mission is to take the Jewish people out of Egypt, bring them to Mount Sinai, where Hashem is going to communicate to them the mission of life as His chosen ambassadors to change the world. So Moshe takes his wife and his children and he sets them upon the donkey and they set out for Egypt. Says the Torah, Rashi says from the Chazal, this is the same donkey that served Avram and that will bear Mashiach. So what does this mean? Says the Rebbe Avram, Moshe and Mashiach, these are three people who represent the zeitgeist of a generation, of a milieu. These are three people who employ the erstwhile donkey the material donkey in their fulfillment of the divine purpose. But the extent to which the donkey is involved in their mission differs. With Avram Avinu, there's one level of consciousness. With Moshe, there's a new level of consciousness, a deeper. And with Mashiach, there's the ultimate consciousness of Geula. Let's see. There are three states of consciousness in how a person looks at the body. And it's not, you'll say, well, what do you need one and two? You can't get to three if you don't go through one and two. There's a process. In the way we treat our bodies, and not just our bodies, the way we look at, at the physical, there's three different ways. There's also a fourth way that he's not going to address, that's pre-Avraham, that's going to become clear. But there's three ways in our work of refinement, of sublimation. Birur means to refine. Zichuch means to crystallize, to sublimate, to elevate, to purify. Birur is like birur, right? Selecting the negative from the positive. Aleph. One state of consciousness is that the person sees the focus of their avoida to reveal the light of your soul, which is often concealed. My soul can be completely concealed in my material veneer. Ki ayer pera adam yivolet. A person, as the as the prof, as as Eiv says, this is in the book of Job, chapter eleven. You see in footnote thirty-eight, a person is born as an ayer pera, a wild beast, a wild donkey. Literally, ayer pera is a wild donkey. You're a wild beast. That's how you're born. And naturally, a person resorts to the easiest, that which is immediately gratifying, that which my body craves. This is the nature of a person. So a person's avoid is to be able to excavate a deeper part of me, to be able to reveal my inner, truer, deeper priorities, and not to fall prey to my tivus, to my addictions, to my proclivities, to my instinctual cravings, but to immerse myself in a deeper life, the life of Torah, the life of mitzvahs. In this state of consciousness, which is amazing, <laughs> the main focus of work is conquest and dominance. That you should be, a, you should be in control of your life. No, no small feat, my friends. The Rebbe's words are so important. 
the main consciousness, the main modality of this avoida is dominance and conquest. Conquest and dominance. Kibush, conquest and dominance. You need to be in control, in control over my body, in control over my animal consciousness. And the person subdues the material element of their body. So that my material self should not eclipse and shut out the light of my soul. That's one state of consciousness. It's pretty deep. Pre this state of consciousness, the person is not even aware of their inner life, or their inner core. They just ignore it or they just repress it. And they just follow their most external, instinctual self, just the body. In this level, there is control, there is discipline, there is a ruler in the house, there is order in the house, there is conquest, there is dominance, there is rulership. A person realizes that he or she could be a really wild, monstrous beast, benign or aggressive, and it's important for me to discipline myself, to control myself, and to know what's right, what's wrong, and not to follow my instinctual desires of the heart, but rather to focus on my internal, moral, ethical priorities of Torah. That's one state of consciousness. Now you might say, what's greater than this? What's, <laughs> what's greater than this? It says, Lamay is there's something deeper. Is the not to control the body, but to harness it, to sublimate it, to refine it. Not to control the body, not to put a muzzle on the mouth of your donkey and tame it. No. That, that's important. That's important. It's called saying no. But there's something deeper. You want that your body itself should be part of Hativim. And for this, you have to work through your own characteristics, your dispositions. You're not always in a state of conflict. You're not always in a state of war, but there's a boss, there's a king who says, sorry, my soul is in control, not my body. Rather, you work through the goof. For this, you have to, I have to work on my natural midas, my natural fears, and my natural, what seems like, such natural proclivities, and realize that ultimately, deep down, the goof doesn't have to be addicted to external taivas. The goof also wants to be a partner with the soul. So this is a much deeper level of consciousness. And he says in 39, look in footnote 39, this is a key. The difference between two methods is also how you deal with your body. The first one, you can often accomplish through mortifying yourself, through breaking your material body. This was a path of many great people that used to fast incessantly. They minimally, minimally tended to their physical needs because they wanted to make a statement. The Baal Shem Tev said that that's not the right path. The Baal Shem Tev said, even though it was a path of great people, the Baal Shem Tev said, ultimately, for the light of Torah to dwell in you, you have to work with your body. Not break your body, but harness it. See it not as an enemy, 
but ultimately as somebody who can accompany the journey, who can be part of it, who can be maybe even a partner, who can be part of your soul. He's not an enemy of your soul. That's what the Baal Shem Tov said on the Pasuk, when you see the donkey of your animal, and it's crouching under its burden, and the Torah says in Mishpatim, you might think you're not going to help it. You have to help the donkey, you have to lift it up, says the Baal Shem Tov, that this is an injunction to every person. Sometimes you look at your own donkey, and it seems like an enemy, and it's crouching under the burden of Torah and Mitzvahs. It's a good burden. It's a burden for the sake of the donkey. It's like lifting weights. It's good for your health. It's like doing cardio. It's a burden, but it's good for your health. It's a good burden. It's its own burden. It needs it. But he's not interested. The donkey is lazy. And donkey is stubborn. And the donkey is a donkey. So it's crouching. So what do you want to do? You want to abandon the donkey. Get out of my life. I'll crush you. I'll destroy you. Says the Baal Shem Tev, in this way the light of Torah won't dwell in you. You need to elevate and sublimate and work with the donkey, not break it, not crush it, not destroy it. Integrate it. So the Rebbe says this is a second state of consciousness. The first state of consciousness is defined by dominance and conquest. You become aware of how many blockages and walls you have and you say, I will not let you block my soul. And therefore, you have to be in control over the material of the body, not to let it become the dominant factor of your life. The second bit of consciousness is much deeper than that. I work with my body. I see it as a partner. I don't see it as an enemy. I realize that deep down my body is not just evil. It's like an animal. An animal is not bad. An an animal needs to be tamed. An animal needs to be disciplined. But most importantly, an animal needs to be trained. (laughs) You're not talking about a lion that you can't train or a snake... There's a Mishnah Babakama, which animals you can train and which animals you can't train. But you're, you, you, it's, it could be domesticated. Your animal soul can be domesticated. And when it becomes domesticated, your little puppy can become a good friend. <laughs> and your ox can work for you and do great things. So ultimately, in this process, you don't want to break your body. On the contrary, you reveal that the midas of your nefesh abamis, your inner midas, when we say here the body, we're not just talking about the external physical skin, we're talking about the whole biological organism of a human being. This includes our nervous system, it includes our brain, it includes our neurons, it includes our cellular structures, it includes our DNA molecules. We're talking here about the entire physical organism of the human being from the top to the bottom. That's what the goof means. The sensations of the body, the experiences of the body, the feelings of the body. If you work with it, if you tune into it, you could see that it's not negative, it's not evil, it's not bad, and therefore you don't have to dominate it and control it. The body here is referring to all of the emotions that are expressed in the body. That's why he keeps on associating the goof with the nefesh of Bahamas. So somebody says the Nefesh of Bahamas is a soul. But you're talking here about the biological soul. In other words, the energy that is in the body. The body is full of life. So all of these emotions, I don't need to crush and repress and say you're not going to control my life. That's one important state. You see, you see, learn here perspective. We often like to throw things out in the dustbin. He says there's different stages of consciousness. There's a state of consciousness where you have to be able to say... Despite my emotions, 
despite my body, despite my cravings, you have to put one foot ahead of another foot and forge ahead, not to allow the body to eclipse the soul. There's a deeper state of consciousness where I go in, where I work through my emotions, where I understand the pnimius of them. And then what happens is my body itself and my emotions themselves become a partner to my soul, to my inner, my inner deeper love, my inner deeper infinity, my inner deeper divinity. We now go to a third state of consciousness. But in the sublimation and in the refinement of your entire material self, there are two states of consciousness. There are two states of consciousness within the second category. One is, you refine your body that it can become a vessel for the soul. Instead of resisting it, it becomes a channel. A person's appreciation and dedication to Gdusha is such that the intense experience of holiness in the soul is holistic. It's all-encompassing. So therefore, it's also channeled through my body, through my animal consciousness, through my biology, through my brain's neurons, through my cells, through, through, through my tissue, through my bones, through my very body. In other words, the holiness is the holiness of my soul. But instead of the body being something that eclipses it and blocks it, there's a holistic oneness in a person. So my body now is much more refined, so it can actually become transparent. Instead of being dense and brute and crude, what you call in Yiddish grub, when something is so dense it can't reflect the light. But the body becomes translucent and even transparent. So now the glass is clear, so the rays of the sun can shine through it. That's one state of consciousness. In other words, this is a beautiful, beautiful idea. What I'm doing is I'm refining my body. I'm removing the density, the the coarseness, because it's not really coarse. It just needs that training. And once it's open, the soul can flow through it. That's number two, consciousness number two. Now we go something to something deeper. The body itself keeps the score. It's not that the body becomes a channel for the soul, but something else. I reveal, as he says, the goof itself is a cheftzah shal kedusha. <laughs> Very powerful words. The body itself is an ashama. The body itself is a divine entity. The body itself is a cheftzah of kedusha. That's already much deeper. So you see three states of three states of avoid. The first state of avoid is conquest and dominance. My body is full of blockages. My body is completely uninterested. My donkey is lazy. <laughs> my donkey is stubborn. My donkey is afraid. Whatever it is, my donkey is an addict. And I have to define who is boss. If not, I'm going to fall prey to it. And I'm going to live a dysfunctional life. I'm going to live an empty life. I'm going to live a false life. I'm going to live a superficial life. So there has to be conquest. There has to be dominance that the blockages of the body and the animal soul should not eclipse the light of the neshama. 
And that's pretty deep, because this is not just about repression. This is about understanding who you are on a deeper level. Level number two, the Rebbe says is, you work with the body. The body itself becomes refined. But here there's two levels. One is the body becomes a vehicle for the light of the neshama. So the light of the neshama flows through it. There's something deeper, and that is you reveal the kedusha in the goof itself. It's not just the body is a vehicle, a medium, so the light of the neshama can flow through it. No, the body itself becomes a source of kedusha. He says the goof itself is a heftzah shal kedusha. Because the truth is, as we're going to see, that a person has that ability to be able to reveal the holiness in the body. Ukeshem. Take a look in footnote number 40. This represents three levels in also how we serve Hashem. Aleph, Gimel, Wow. There's three parts of the Jewish experience. Part number one is, I'm learning Torah. I'm observing mitzvahs. In other words, I work with Kedusha. I follow the Shulchan Aruch. I follow Hashem's code of law. But I have to make sure that my body doesn't dictate my behaviors. Now it's time to wake up in the morning to daven. I go daven. It's time to go learn. I go learn. It's time to give tzedakah. You give tzedakah. This is a disciplined life based on Torah and mitzvahs. That's the first level. Not a small thing. The second level is kol masach l'shem shamayim, as it says in Pirkei Even your own deeds should be for the sake of heaven. In other words, even those things that I'm doing with my body, I'm eating, I'm drinking, kol masach but it's for the sake of heaven. The body becomes a vehicle. The third level is, in all your ways you should know Him. In other words, every single one of your experiences becomes Avodah Hashem. It's not just all your deeds are L'Shem Shemaim for the sake of heaven. I'm eating in order for me to be healthy, because when I'm healthy, I'm going to daven. It's much deeper than that. The eating itself is a divine experience. The traveling itself is a divine experience. Whatever emotion I'm experiencing, I get to know Hashem through that emotion. You hear the third level? There's kol ma'asachel l'shem shemaim and there's b'chol drachecha de'ayu. Kol ma'asachel l'shem shemaim, as it says in Prekiyavis, means all your deeds should be for the sake of heaven. B'chol drachecha de'ayu is something deeper. In all your ways you should know Him. In other words, everything is divine. Everything is an experience of Hashem. It's not just for the sake that later you're going to use it in a positive way. That's amazing. But there's something much deeper. There's no emotion that comes up that is not a way of knowing God. There's no emotion that comes up in your body that is not carrying within it a divine message. And therefore you could get to know Hashem through every single aspect of your inner and outer life of your spiritual and physical life, of your soul and of your brain and of your body. There's not a single sensation in your body. There's not a single sensation or experience or encounter or emotion in your life through which you cannot attain deeper divine awareness, which is the ultimate of self-awareness. Three stages in Avaidah Hashem. The work in Kedusha, 
but you want the body shouldn't confuse it or eclipse it or disturb it. Kol and And the Rebbe continues back inside four paragraphs from the bottom. Just as it's true in every individual, it's also true cosmically. There are three stages in elevating our world and revealing Hashem's Kedusha in this world. Aleph number one. Bez shegashmi soylem is barerum is dachach hachinase kli legiliyer akdusha gimel tachlos hashlem is bebiru vezicha choylem shahagashmi is atzma tiskadish shazayil asid loving sheyukoyim ayid venigla kveid hashem v'rokal basiyachtov kefi hashem diber haynu shazayis tchiyat chunas habaser la asid loving sheyis dachach hachiyeh biyichotish la basim etzad atzma liris kepi hashem diber ah there's three stages in the transformation of universal consciousness. Number one is the need to subdue the density, the bruteness, the coarseness of a world that eclipses any Kedusha. And when you break through the coarse shell, the Kedusha can emerge. That's number one. And in each one of us, there are times that's what we're called on to do. The second stage is the physical world itself becomes a vessel for Kedusha. It becomes a channel. The third stage is something much deeper. The physicality itself is revealed as divine. You get it? The first stage is there's an element of conquest, an element of dominance, an element of subduing. There is a foe and there's a friend and you have to subdue the foe so that the victor can emerge. The soul should be victorious. And that's what we're often taught, right? There's a war in you and either your neshama is going to win or your guf is going to win. The Rebbe says that's the first stage of consciousness. But there's something much deeper. And that is not just breaking or disciplining the chumriyas, the materialism that it doesn't eclipse, but rather realizing it can be a channel. There could be a oneness, there could be unity, it could be a keli, it could be a vessel that channels the Kedusha in your life. That's like Kalma Sachel Hashem Shemayim. The ultimate consciousness, though, is that the physicality itself is revealed to be as divine as the spiritual. And that's what Mashiach is. Mashiach is, the Navi says in Yeshaya, as he says in 41, chapter 40, that the glory of Hashem will be revealed and all the flesh will see that Hashem's mouth has spoken, meaning the nature of the flesh is going to be that it's going to see in everything the divine energy. That's going to be the nature of the flesh. Our eyes will become those spiritually microscopic, sophisticated eyes that when I look at the world, I don't see physicality as an enemy. I don't even see physicality as a channel for spirituality. The physical itself and therefore the body itself, and every cell of my 50 or 70 trillion cells, and every neuron of my 100 billion neurons, and every one of my white blood cells, and every one of my red blood cells, and every limb, and every organ, and every sinew, and every artery, is essentially a manifestation 
of the divine, Kipi Hashem Diber. It's also a very fascinating interpretation. Usually we interpret the Pasuk. Everybody will see that God's mouth has spoken and His promises came true. The Rebbe says it's much deeper. The flesh itself is going to perceive in everything the Pi Hashem, the mouth of Hashem. Now we'll understand the secret of the donkey. The donkey makes its appearance at key junctures. Avram, Moshe, Mashiach. Listen to this. I'll explain in a moment. Avram Avinu lives before Matan Torah. Avram Avinu begins the process of sublimating universe, the universal consciousness, of aligning it with its truth. But Torah wasn't given yet. So the world was not yet integrated and elevated. So what was Avram's main accomplishment? The ability to subdue the outer crass layer that it shouldn't eclipse and disturb and obstruct the revelation of holiness. Practically, Avram lived in an era of entrenched paganism with very little morality, where the gods are violently fighting with each other and being appeased by sacrifices of children. God forbid a complete breakdown of any deeper integrated wholeness in existence of Ramavinu needs to subdue the outer shell so that it shouldn't disturb, it shouldn't obstruct the revelation of the Kedusha. That's why Rashi says it's the donkey that Avramavinu chavash. He prepared it. He settled it. When you settle a donkey, you prepare it, you're basically telling it who's boss. You're subduing it. You're putting it in its place. Donkey, it's time for you to realize that you're here to serve. Comes Moshe, Moshe is already appearing to the Jewish people after they've been so refined through the experience of the Egyptian exile, which really refined the Jewish people and completely transformed their consciousness. And as a result of transforming their consciousness, transformed the world consciousness. Now the physicality could be not just subdued, it could become a vehicle. So by Moshe, it doesn't say he saddled the donkey, he subdued it. No. They rode on the donkey. He placed them on the donkey. Avram Avinu already saddled the donkey. Avram Avinu already binded the donkey. And he went to the binding of Yitzchak. Now you can already ride on the donkey. Now the donkey can become a vehicle for your journey. But still, the Kedusha, Moshe's wife and children, are riding on the donkey. In other words, the donkey is a vehicle 
to channel their holiness. But the Kedusha is not coming from the donkey. The Kedusha is coming from those who are riding on the donkey. By Mashiach, the refinement of the material world will be such that Mashiach will be revealed through the donkey. The revelation of Mashiach is going to be through the donkey. Wow. The Rebbe says, it's not just Mashiach will be going on a donkey. The donkey is going to reveal Mashiach. That's the whole idea. The body itself is going to become the greatest source of revelation. The body itself is a chapsa shal gedusha. We're going to see the Gashmias itself as divine. It's not just a vehicle for the divine. That is divine. Every element of your body is divine. The consciousness of Geula that we are now experiencing in the world is this consciousness. But now look how meticulous this is. Who used the donkey by Avram Avinu? You remember? Who used it? Doesn't say that he was on it. Doesn't say that Yitzchak was on it. It was used for the lumber, for the knife, and for the fire. By Moshe, doesn't say that he was on it, his wife and children. By Mashiach, he himself. Why? So you might say, what's the difference? Could be Avram also went on the donkey. Look how the Torah chooses to tell the story each time in a different way. Now we'll understand the difference very, very well. There's a huge difference between the two. And I hope you already see where we're going. In the state of consciousness by Avram, he and Yitzchak don't use the donkey. By Moshe, there's already a deeper evolved state. And by Mashiach, it's even more evolved. And he explains. Let's see. By Avram, it doesn't say that he and Yitzchak and the two lads went on the donkey. They may have, but the Torah doesn't intimate it at all. It doesn't seem like they went on it. By Moshe, it doesn't say a word about what he did. Did he go on the donkey? Not. By Mashiach, it says clearly, A pauper who will be riding on the donkey. Not a Mashiach's wife, Mashiach's children, Mashiach's, uh, Mashiach's uh, computers, Mashiach's suitcases. Mashiach himself. And now we'll understand why. Here we come to the difference. Avram Avinu 
lives before the revelation of Sinai. Before there could be the ultimate fusion. The world simply was not ready for that process. So therefore, what Avram can accomplish is, he harnesses the physical to serve the spiritual. So he uses the donkey to carry his accessories of his divine service. The physical remains coarse. It's not directly involved in the spiritual life. But Avram takes the first step in wrestling the material from its inherent self-absorption and crudeness by utilizing it to assist in his service of God. He himself is not riding on the donkey. Even Yitzchak is not riding on the donkey. What does he use the donkey for? He uses donkey for his wood. He uses donkey for the knife. He uses the donkey for the fire. Why? Avram and Yitzchak themselves are not connected to the donkey. The donkey is being subdued. You don't disturb the process. You have a job. You have to be a servant. You have to be subdued. You have to be conquered. You take, you schlep the wood. And you know what? That's great. That's amazing. The donkey is not part of the journey. The donkey is not part of the Akedah. The donkey is there to help me carry my accessories. You take my suitcases. The donkey takes the suitcases of Avram and Yitzchak. It's not a bad thing. Pretty good. Instead of the donkey fighting, instead of the donkey having its own agenda, the donkey was harnessed. The donkey was conquered. The donkey was controlled. The donkey is not obstructing. But the donkey itself, donkey itself is not part of the process. Moshe, on the other hand, was embarking on the mission that was to culminate in Yitzias, Mitzrayim, and Matan Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu comes at the end of the Egyptian exile. He's going to redeem them from exile. Moshe Rabbeinu already opens up the world and opens up himself and opens up his family and opens up all of us to a deeper state of consciousness where the donkey is already part of the mission. So therefore Moshe's family go on the donkey. It's not like the donkey is just used for the suitcases. No. By Moshe Rabbeinu, the donkey itself becomes a channel for Kedusha. His wife, his children, which are all an extension of Moshe, are using the donkey. All of them. So Moshe uses the donkey not just for his suitcases. The donkey carries Tzipayra. The donkey carries Gershom and Eliezer. A person's wife and children are an extension of his own self. What does the Gemara say in Brachas Chavdalat? Ishtoi kegufay damya. Your wife is like your own body. Chazal say that you have to respect your wife more than you respect yourself. And your child, your child is one with you. Brachara Child is called a limb of the father. Etzimahav. Beginning with Moshe, the material begins to play a central and intimate role in our life's work. My intimate partner, Moshe's partner, Moshe's soulmate, Moshe's children are already using the donkey. The donkey is part of it. The donkey is part of the mission. Moshe is the beginning. Moshe marks the beginning of Torah's effect on the physical world. Moshe ushers in the second state of consciousness. There's a third state of consciousness. It's not just the donkey is an extension. So the donkey has your family. No. The Chiddush by Mashiach is that the Gashmi itself, the body itself, the Chamoid itself becomes the source of Gula. Mashiach is going to be revealed through the Gashmi. Mashiach representing the ultimate fulfillment of Torah. He rides on the donkey of the material. Because Mashiach heralds a world in which the material is no longer 
the secondary element, subservient, or even a partner or harnessed. To the contrary, the revelation of Mashiach, the revelation of Mashiach comes through the Chamoir. It's the physicality that brings out the ultimate divinity. It's the body itself that captures the ultimate truth. Not just the physical world becomes a, a channel and a vehicle that Kedusha can be revealed through it. No, the Kedusha is revealed from it, through it. Asid Melech HaMashiach Lihi Mashiach will be revealed through the Chamar. Because then what is going to be revealed is that the true core and existence of every single creature Every single creation, including every single cell and every emotion and every sensation and every element of our physical selves and our physical cosmos is essentially the truth of the ultimate oneness. It's the truth of Hashem. As he quotes the Rambam who says that the truth of Hashem's existence is at the core of the entire creation. And as he finishes with the words of the Mittler Rebbe, Gu'ula consciousness is one in which we reveal that the Yesha Nivra and the Yesha Amiti are one. Yesha Amiti means the true being, Hashem. Yesha Nivra means the ego of the creation. For much of history, we saw that there was, we felt there was a gulf between the two. Gu'ula consciousness means not only there's no gulf, they're completely one. The very Yesha Nivra, the very being of existence, is the being of Hashem. It's completely one. There's complete alignment. So it's not just your body is oh so harnessed. Your body is oh so a partner. No. Your body keeps the divine score as much as the soul, and in some ways, even deeper than the soul. This goes back to our previous class where Hashem told Avram that everything that Sarah says, you should listen to her. This was Parshish Chayyah Sarah. The Zoya says Avram is the soul and Sarah is the body. Because when Mashiach comes, it's going to be revealed even that the body is going to nurture the neshama, nurture the soul. What's the key point? And here's where we see how history plays out this truth. Because as we come closer and closer to Geula, it's fascinating. There's more and more focus on the brilliance, on the wisdom, on the spirituality, and then the authenticity that exists in the guf, in the body. Where in ancient times, the spiritual person looked at the body in disdain. And then in more evolved times, the spiritual person looked at the body as an accessory. In today's times, in times of Gula, we look at the body and we're starting to see that it carries the essence of our truth. That the body is not just a vehicle that can be redeemed. The body itself contains the emes. And when you, you have to go through the first two stages because my body could be filled with toxins so it doesn't know itself. But when the body becomes more refined, when the body is disciplined, and then it's refined in the first two stages we spoke about, then what happens is we learn that the body itself and the Gashmi itself is the source of Kedusha. Mashiach is going to be revealed through the Chamer. The Chamer itself bespeaks the holiness because the truth of the Yesha Nivra is that it's one with the Yesha Miti. And that's what we're seeing today. It's an incredible. People are wondering what happened that there's so much focus on the body. Is this self-worship? Is this like the Greeks who worship the body? No, it's the opposite. The closer we come to Gula, we reveal that the Guf and the Neshama are not two separate things. Just like heaven and earth are not separate, and God and humanity are not separate, and the soul and the body are not separate, and the spiritual and the physical are not separate. 
and the inner and the outer are not separate. There's complete oneness. And therefore your very physical structure actually holds the divine score. The body keeps the divine score. So the body is not just a vehicle that can be used in a positive way, it's much deeper than that. I have to be able to tune in to the secret of the Gashmi, which is not going to be a secret anymore, because the physical itself becomes a tremendous source of divine revelation. So there's complete fusion, there's complete oneness. So in summation, we have here the three stages. Avram Avinu is one state of consciousness. This is before Matan Torah. Also a revolution. Moshe is the second revolution. The donkey reappears again. This time already we're going to liberation and Matan Torah. And then the donkey makes its grand appearance with Mashiach. But this time, the donkey already appears. Not just as someone who was sub- as a beast that was subdued and disciplined. And not just as a beast that's harnessed and becomes a partner in your goals and becomes a vehicle, even enthusiastically. But much more than that, that the donkey itself reveals the donkey becomes a source of holiness. The donkey itself becomes a source of Mashiach, a source of Gula. Gula is revealed through the Chamer. The physical body itself personifies and embodies and projects the truth of oneness, of Einoid Mulvada, as much as the soul and in some ways even more than the soul. And that's why by Avram Avinu, the donkey is only used for accessories, by Moshe Rabbeinu, the donkey is already carrying his own family. And by Mashiach, the donkey is already directly carrying Mashiach. Mashiach is being revealed through the donkey. We'll take some questions. Question number one. This explains why we are, why we are all orchids today. What happened to the dandelions? The answer is... We are at very serious, we're we're finishing to culminate all of the stages of consciousness and refine and reach the ultimate refinement. This is so exciting. It's very beautiful what you're saying. We see now a deep sensitivity in people. And everybody says, come on, just develop some tough skin and move on just like your mother and grandmother and great-grandmother did. But the truth is, that when all of our emotions need to be integrated because the goof itself becomes a vehicle for the divine, you're saying perhaps this sensitivity is an expression of it. It's an expression of the fact that I can't repress any part in me. I have to feel it because it has to become part of the process of revealing Mashiach. Beautiful. If I understood you correctly. Can it be that the donkey represents absolute humility? Avram Avinu had no ego. Moshe Rabbeinu was the humblest person. And Mashiach also is going to be humble. Absolutely, that's what we learned last week's class, if you remember. Next question. I wonder if this is also to connect it to how much my children love actual animals. I never experienced it, and I still don't relate to it. But I see that my children have a tremendous sensitivity to animals. It's making me think that maybe... This is representative of a new consciousness in which our own animal is completely sublimated and therefore our sensitivity to all the animals in the world has also reached a new level. I like it. I like what you're saying. Is this connected to Das when you feel the knowing in your body 
Did people once upon a time not have das? Did they ignore their body? Is this really the truth? Everybody just ignored the body? You're saying that body consciousness is part of Mashiach? Uh, it's, it's a good question. The focus was not on the wisdom in the body. Even this sikha the Rebbe said years ago, he said it first in 1958. There was no, almost no studies about what we know today about the body. It's all the last few decades. You know, the word trauma is, is from the 1970s. PTSD was not diagnosed, I think, believe, till the 1970s. Uh, all of the therapies that are connected today with exploring what's, your bo- your, what's happening in your body and the fact that the trauma is simply stuck in your body, and the body holds the key to so much truth and so much wisdom. And releasing and opening the body really means releasing the Kedusha in you because the body is a source of Kedusha and that every sensation in the body can bring you to divine awareness. These are revolutionary ideas. Mamish. It's being reflected today, I think, in all the therapy uh, studies and in all of the developments of psychology. It used to be till a few years ago the way of dealing with problems was verbal conversation. You talk and you dissect and you psychoanalyze and cognitive and all these things. And today they're revealing more and more that much of our healing can just come from the body itself. So this is literally mirroring in the secular world, in the secular sciences, in secular psychology, the truth that the Rebbe is, is conveying in the Sicha. It's a deeper level of Das. It's complete integration. Does this explain why the world is now obsessed with healing trauma, and tuning into repressed emotions. Ah, ah, that's what I think. That's what I think. I think that this explains it. This explains why we are now obsessed with healing trauma and tuning into repressed emotions, and people mock it. Some people say, <laughs> teach people just to move on and, and forget, don't take yourself so seriously, it's all your ego and you're a baby. I don't think it's true. I think it's Gula. What do you think, Rabbi Moshe? What do you think, Rabbi Aaron? I think it's Gula. That's what the Rebbe is saying here. If we would be in Golos, if our avoider would be to stay in Golos, Golos means part of you is in exile. It's not just the Jewish people are in exile. Your soul is in exile. In other words, there's a lot of cover-ups. And you have to ignore the cover-ups, trash the cover-ups, break the cover-ups. Maybe one day even, make it a little more, less dense, crude. But today we're learning much more. Today, in the Gula consciousness, as we're getting ready for Mashiach inside of us. Remember, there's the Gula that Hashem brings, but there's the Gula everybody achieves within themselves. Here the focus is what? The focus is on me creating oneness. There's no obstacles anymore. There's no blockages anymore. So Hashem is allowing me to spit out my toxicity, to confront my traumas, to confront my wounds, every sensation you're having and every pain that's coming up at the surface, it's rearing its ugly head. It's not ugly. It's an opportunity to know yourself through it. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to know Hashem. And that means it's an opportunity for self-awareness because ultimate self-awareness is divine awareness. And ultimate divine awareness is ultimate self-awareness. This is very, very important. Question. Is it possible to say that Hashem is like the soul and the Jewish people are the body 
And that's why the Jewish people bring Mashiach. We become the source of holiness, even for Hashem. Ooh, 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 you're saying something deep. This is, this is a voice from Pakistan. So you're saying something very deep, Mrs. Balach. So for this, I have to refer you back to the shir we had during the three, the, during the nine days last summer. It's on the yeshiva.net. It's Parshas uh, Menachem of, about Menachem of how we comfort the Father, how the body does something for the soul. So you're saying something very, very deep. How do we apply all of this to our life? Oh, I think to realize where we're standing in history as we prepare for Mashiach, it's not anymore about repression. <laughs> don't repress your body. Don't repress your emotions. Don't repress your sensations. You don't have to run away from anything. You have to integrate everything. And you don't have to crush any part of yourself. You don't want to break anybody. You don't need to. And therefore, it doesn't work. If I try to break now parts of myself, it's not going to be effective as it was in the past because the world is crying out for Geula. My consciousness is opening me up to fusion. So if I don't do fusion, if I'm busy with repression, my body is going to revolt. My family is going to revolt. My world is going to revolt. I can't go back to Avram and say, Donkey, you take the wood and be quiet. Donkey, shh. No remarks from the donkey gallery. You can't tell that to your donkey anymore. Your donkey is, is carrying Mashiach. <laughs> what a graphic illustration. Your donkey is carrying Mashiach. The Harris the Baron. When you look at yourself and you see a donkey, a donkey, a chamer, a choimer, realize that that donkey is carrying the light of Geula. Don't silence it. Don't crush it. Don't shoot it. Don't scream at it. Open the door and let it come in. Open your heart to it. Listen to your chamar. Go into your chamar. You're going to find geula there. The word da'ehu comes from the word das. Bechod rochecha da'ehu. Yeah, das is fusion. It says in Tanya chapter 3, Adam. Yada Eschava, Adam Nu Chava, which is a form for intimacy. So the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya that Das is the ultimate fusion, the ultimate integration. This has so many applications. Do I understand that from Moshe through Mashiach, we transform the world and it's the ultimate transformation that the Gula represents, not just in the future, but even now? Yeah, that's the whole point. The point is that from Ishmaisha till now, we create this gula in our souls, in our hearts, in our homes, in our genes, in our world. And Mashiach just brings it out. It doesn't happen when Mashiach comes. Where does Bilam's donkey come into all of this? Ooh, very good. The answer is Bilam represents somebody who took the donkey and instead of realizing that the donkey is part of the soul, Bilam actually sold his soul to the donkey. The Gemara says that Bilam had relations with his donkey, which means that instead of realizing that your goof is holy, Bilam fell prey to addiction. So it's like you listen to the instinct of your body, and instead of redeeming it, you fall prey to it. Because you don't realize that that addiction is really crying out for salvation. So that's what happens with Bilam. It's the exact opposite. It's the tragedy of, of not realizing the potential of your donkey. 
That was a tragedy by Billa. Can I just say thank you? Gotta go, but this is awesome. Everybody have a beautiful day. Thank you very much. An amazing day to everybody. Let me just announce again for those who are in the area. We have a shear tonight at uh, 9 o'clock in the Maimer Basi Lagani, Tavshin Chav Beis, 50 year, 60 years ago. That's going to be... Uh, that's going to be here in Pomona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The address is 4 Dogwood Place. 4 Dogwood Place, Pomona. 9 o'clock p.m. tonight in David Gehrman's house. Sunday morning, we're going to have it as well. Part 2, 9.15 a.m. Monday morning, we have our 7.30 Shiach Siddis. Monday night, a Zoom with Rabbi Sheistaub and myself in honor of the Yortzeit of the Alter Rebbe, Chavdal Tevis. Monday night, in memory of Rabbi El Khan, how to learn and teach Tanya in our times. That's going to be a Zoom. We will send out the link. If you're not on our WhatsApp and you have WhatsApp, please sign up. Also, we'll send it out on email. And it's also going to be on the website, theyeshiva.net. You don't want to miss it. Monday evening, 10 o'clock. Tuesday, we have our women's class, 12.45 p.m., streamed live on the yeshiva.net. Tuesday night, in Vizhnitz on Maple in Muncie, a Yiddish shir on Fabrengen in honor of the Alter Rebbe's yard site, 9 o'clock p.m. Tuesday. Thursday, we're going to resume our 7.30 shir. Okay, I think I got it all. <laughs> Maybe I missed something. Shabbos, we have our regular schedule. For those who are here in Muncie, you're invited Friday night, Shabbos morning. Shabbos after davening, Hatzlacha, sending my love and blessings to all of you, and may we experience the revelation of Mashiach on the donkey, through the donkey, in the donkey, with the complete fusion and oneness of the Yesha Nivra being one with the Yesha Miti, the self-being becoming a mirror of the ultimate being. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.